I think we got to look at, you know, just because something isn't a failure, it doesn't necessarily mean means that you're a failure. It's just, okay, how can I turn this failure into a win or learn from this to be better down the road? Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. As leaders, you have the ability to design and lead culture intentionally. Hear from culture leaders who are moving from a values list to values lived. Hey, leaders, welcome to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I'm excited to have Jason Sutton with us today. He's a Chick-fil-A owner operator in the Denver area at Quebec Street there. And welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me today. We're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Um, how long have you been there at, at Chick-fil-A at the, uh, at the Quebec Street location? Uh, so I've been here a little over seven and a half years, and I've been with Chick-fil-A for right around 10 years. Okay, good deal. I know we're, we're going to get into your location there and some of the exciting things that are going on. Before we do that, though, just so the audience can kind of get to know you a little bit better, Jason, um, one of the questions I like to start with is what would be what would you describe as a leadership superpower? And on the flip side of that, what would be a, a kryptonite? Um, I think a leadership uh, superpower for me, you know, I, every time I, I, I have a discussion with one of my leaders and I talk to them about what I believe the definition of leadership is, it's a uh, it's a it's somebody that has the ability to provide direction, purpose and motivation and. I think that's just a natural, that aspect, like defining leadership like that is a natural strength of mine um, that I don't even realize it. Uh, You know, there's different, there's a big difference between a manager and a leader, you know, a manager, somebody that can uh, run a shift or, you know, have an end task that they want to accomplish and they can get everybody from point A to point B. But I think the difference between a manager and a leader in that scenario is how do you get somebody from from point A to point B while encouraging them, motivating them, caring for them and just giving them all the tools they need to enjoy what they're doing um, and be successful along the way. Um, So I think a, a strength of mine in that or the when you talk about like a a superpower is uh, just being somebody that is going to work shoulder to shoulder with my team. I'm not afraid to do the most minuscule tasks that they might be doing. And I'm encouraging them and motivating them and having fun along the way and ultimately showing care for them at the end of the day. So I think that's, I, I don't want to say that that's like a superpower for everybody, but I think that's just something that comes natural to me. And I really enjoy that. On the flip side of that though, Uh, I think kryptonite, man, I think that most leaders would probably tell you like a kryptonite for them. They might say it a different way, but I know for me, um, it's like the ankle biters that are just constantly like uh, gnawing at you and disrupting you and what you're trying to do. So I always tell my team it's better to have a plan planned at 100% and executed at 50% than to have no plan at all. Um, so I always try to go into my day with a plan and then there's just little ankle biters that come in, whether it's uh, something from the city or a visitor coming by or team members calling out or a piece of equipment breaking. Um, if you let all of those things 
that are the ankle biters kind of disrupt you as a leader, it can really like derail uh, your team. And another aspect of that too is, is I always tell my leaders, I'm like, y'all, calm is contagious. Whatever they do is gonna is gonna filter down throughout the entire organization. So I try to re- remind them of that. And sometimes I need to be reminded of that too. I mean, I remember early on in my journey of being the Chick Fil A operator, my, my wife would be, uh, she'd be like, "Hey, you need to go in the office just for a couple minutes and just like calm down because." Uh, maybe the way I was coming across was just really strong. I, uh, I talk really loud because my hearing is like, it's not very good. I have tinnitus from my time in the military and, uh, it just makes me talk really loud. So I, I come across as really intense sometimes not meaning to, but yeah, I think that's how I define like my superpower and, uh, my kryptonite at the same time. Yeah, thanks for that. I, you know, and, and that's one of the unique things, Jason, I've noticed about you. A couple of things you mentioned there is you are in it. I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder quite a bit of the day with your team, but also just that aspect of how, having Valerie there right beside you. You y'all y'all seem to really have a, a an amazing way to work as a team. You're you she's okay about calling you out. You know, y'all y'all are okay about about saying tough things with each other and moving forward. And so you seem to work really well together as a team. You know, you had this military career. What what was it that kind of got you into Chick-fil-A? How, how did you decide, hey, this is this is what I'm going to do now for the foreseeable future? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's really cool. This is another God thing. Um, totally. So about two and a half years prior to retiring from the military, um, me and my wife were over at my sister-in-law's house. We were living in Lansing, Kansas, just outside Fort Leavenworth at the time. I was serving as an aviation observer trainer in the mission, uh, mission command training program there. And we were sitting over at her townhome, just like, what are we going to do when we retire from the military? Like, just the conversation just came up, like, and it was two and a half years away, but we wanted to start thinking about it. And my sister-in-law says, I think you'd be a great Chick-fil-A um, operator. And I'm like, what? Why would you say that? Like, I, did, I didn't really know anything about Chick-fil-A at the time. Um, I think maybe Valerie had been through the drive through to get a milkshake or something like that. But I had never okay. even put in a Chick-fil-A. And uh, she's like, well, she's just like everything that I know about them. Um, you know, they seem very servant hearted, um, you know, people first, very involved in the community, involved in the church, those type of things. So I was like. Oh, okay. And she was like, well, you serve in the middle school or I served in the high school ministry for boys at our church. And my wife served in middle school ministry, which happened to be the age of our kids, which makes sense. And we also uh, served in young life. So, so I didn't really give a whole lot of thought about it at the time, to be honest with you, but I was uh, traveling. I was on the road about six months out of the year, TDY. And I listened to NPR and Dave Ramsey a lot. We were big Dave Ramsey. I was a big Dave Ramsey fan. Uh, we were doing for Peace University and all that. And I felt like literally the next two weeks, like God was putting his thumb like right on my chest, like Jason, listen to what I'm telling you. And you know, I heard Dave Ramsey talking about Chick Fil A. Um, I heard it on NPR. They were talking about Chick Fil A. I'm like, what's all this Chick Fil A stuff? So you got to listen to those things in your life. Like you got to listen to those. You got to open your ears and listen. So. You know, during my time in the military, you read a lot of leadership books, um, and I wasn't a big fan of reading books. But I said, you know what? I'm going to get on this uh, this new system called Amazon, 
and I'm going to, this is in 99. So I'm going to get, yeah. I'm going to get on, uh, no, this wasn't 99. This was in 2009. Um, and so I ordered this book, eat more chicken, inspire more people by our founder, Truett Kathy. And I was about halfway through reading that book, laying in bed when we were living in Kansas. And I looked at Valerie and I said, I think I found what God's calling us to do. And so we started that journey in December of 2009 because we knew that it, you know, could take a couple of years to get selected. And I kind of wanted, if Chick-fil-A was going to tell me no, I'd rather know now than in the future. So Valerie was like, the worst thing they can do is tell you no. Like, it's not like it's any skin off your back. So I started the process. I was very deliberate, very intentional about knowing as much as I could about Chick-fil-A. And, um, you know, did my expression of interest in December of 09, got invited to do the full application, filled out my full application, which ended up being like 27 pages long or something, because you listed out all your jobs that you held in your professional career and what your knowledge, skills, abilities were and all that. And, um, you know, the thing about Chick-fil-A that's really unique is, is I think it gives a little guy a chance. Not that I'm a little guy. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty big, but little guy in the sense of like, <laughs> sure, you don't. Yeah, you don't have to be like a multi mega millionaire to be a Chick-fil-A franchise. You know, that that local ownership is really critical for Chick-fil-A. So that's kind of how my journey began. So I started in December of 09. I interviewed for um, they, they kind of tabled. And once I made it to a certain point in the interview process, they said, hey, you know, we know that you're planning on retiring from the military when you're six months from retiring. Let us know. We'll uh, we'll pull your file out of the file cabinet or wherever they put that. And uh, we'll start you back in the process. So I contacted them about six months before I was going to retire and started the intentional interview process for like focus locations. And oh my gosh, it was such a humbling process. You know, we have this saying at Chick-fil-A, it's easier to get into the CIA than the CFA. Um, and I truly, <laughs> I truly believe that now. Um so I started that process and basically I, I interviewed for five different locations across the country. Um, and I was, I was, felt like I was running out of opportunity. It was very humbling. Like it's the first time in my career that I'd ever really been told no. Um, I didn't truly realize how extensive and exhausting the process could be. And I had people like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, just go do something else. I'm like, no, I'm like super passionate about this. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, started working on the MBA, Colorado State University. It was all focusing towards Chick-fil-A. I was like all in for Chick-fil-A. Ended up over the course of like 38 months interviewing for six different locations, being told no five times. I interviewed with 24 different people at Chick-fil-A over the course of that time like five trips to corporate headquarters, I think. Um, and then I ended up being selected for Santa Rosa, California, um, Mendocino Avenue. And we, we spent a couple of years out there before we relocated to Denver, Colorado in uh, late 2015. So kind of a long journey, but you know, if, if you want to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee or you want to do something different, you know, you gotta like, uh, you, you gotta like, pay your dues. You got to like stand the test of time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so if you want something bad enough, you got to, you got to stand, stick it out, I guess you would say. Cause there's about 40,000 um, applications per year to become an operator and they only select, you know, it's under 200. I mean, it's closer to probably a hundred new operators every year. So, wow. Yeah. I think it's somewhere like 80,000 applications now. 
Is um, it now? Okay. Which, which is crazy. And like, I think the old, the old uh, information used to be like 67% of those selected had Chick-fil-A experience to some extent. And I mean, when I was still in the military, I was going and volunteering at Chick-fil-A's as I was traveling the country. I would show up and meet a local operator with my non-slip shoes and be like, hey, can I come work in your restaurant when I wasn't working in the army? And they're like, who are you and why are you in my restaurant? And so I tell them my story. and They'd be like, yeah, sure. Free labor. Come on in. Like, you'll get your your non-slip shoes. We'll put you to work. So, um, yeah, it was a long, long journey, long process. And it's, it's hard to believe that. You know, here we are 10 years into uh, our operator journey now. Great story. Thanks, Jason. And I love that, you know, it is a long journey sometimes. And so you're willing to even hear no a few, you know, several times, five times to hear no and then to be selected. So, Jason, one of the things I've noticed about you with your team is that that you love to create. You know, you, you get in there, you're shoulder to shoulder with your team, you're watching. And then all of a sudden you just see something that's glaring. It's a gap. And and something clicks in your brain at that point. Like, walk me through that. How how do you get to these innovations that you've been working toward? And what are some examples? Yeah, I think um, you know, in any business, it doesn't matter what business you're in, uh, you always have to like tackle the choke points. Like, what is uh, what is slowing you down, or what is preventing you from getting to the next step? So, like for instance, in Chick Fil A, a major choke point for us was like. You know, how many cars can you get through your drive through? What's your turnaway rate? Why are people leaving the business because you're too busy? And so I remember, gosh, this was probably five, five and a half years ago. Um, we started getting to the point where we were having cars in our road. And, you know, you get in the road and you're just like, is it worth sitting in this line to get Chick-fil-A? Well, I didn't ever want anybody. I didn't want anybody to feel like that. And so. I was like, what can we, I felt like we were doing everything we could do, like within the traditional drive through lanes to get as many people through our drive through as quickly as possible. And, you know, four or five outside order takers, outside cash payment, credit card receipt, people running food at the window outside. Like, so I felt like we were doing everything. And I began to like look and say, okay, how can we get more cars onto our lot? And so I, I, contacted our drive-through consultants at Chick-fil-A and said, Hey, I've got an idea. And they're like, what's your idea? And I'm like, I want to add a third lane through my parking lot. And, um, they're like, eh, I don't know about that. We haven't seen anybody do that before. Um, which I don't know if anybody had ever done that before. I mean, this was like two years pre COVID. Um, obviously okay. COVID changed up a lot of things for a lot of operators, but so I came up with this idea and I said, hey, I want to create this third lane through my parking lot. We want to use it during peak hour. We want to make it a temporary lane. We want to have stanchions that kind of direct people where to go, like many stanchions in the parking lot. And I said, and oh, by the way, I contacted our facilities consultant. And I said, hey, I want to make all these changes to our front counter too. And, you know, I want to fill in this gap on the front counter. I want to put a drink station right here with a KPS monitor so we can route all of our uh, lane three drinks um, to this station so that we can create it just like another drive-through, but on the front counter, like KPS monitor. And and I said, I want to make this a sauce wall right here. And our uh, our facilities consultant was like, yeah, uh, Chick-fil-A is not, not going to want you to do like a sauce wall right there. Like, that's just not something that we don't want guests to see that. And so I was like, well, 
I'm doing it. So I really like your help in making it look good. Um, so they partnered with me. I mean, Chick-fil-A is a great partner. And so they're, they're like, Hey, we want to partner with you. We want to, we want to help you achieve this. So we did it and it ended up being like four years later, three, four years later, that ended up being like a chain wide rollout. Like that ended up being something that all the Chick-fil-A's across the country got was that sauce wall on front counter. Um, which I don't know if we were the original innovator of that, but at the right. time, nobody in our market doing it. I had never heard of anybody else doing it. So we started doing that. We started doing that third lane uh, two years before COVID hit. And then boom, man, like when COVID hit, like dining rooms had to shut down. We were very well postured to um, just put everything through the drive-through. So instead of three lanes, we went to, we went to a fourth lane. So we had you know, two lanes running through the parking lot, two traditional lanes. And so we didn't see a drop in sales or anything. Everything just like absorbed through the drive-through, which just doing like one channel like that is is exponentially easier than executing all the other channels uh, with all the other sales channels within Chick-fil-A. So it became a little bit easier to operate actually when COVID hit, um, but we lost that thing that we're known for at Chick-fil-A with our dining rooms and engaging with our customers. So we had to kind of figure out like, okay, how do we transition that to the drive-through? So that was just one example of a major uh, innovation that we did um, that ended up turning into, you know, uh, a failure that we ended up having down the road or what I would perceive as like a failure or an opportunity down the road um, with our mobile through or drive-through express lane, as we call it. So um, you know, our early adoption, sometimes when you're an early adopter, you know, it's a lot of fun being an early adopter and like having innovative ideas and creating things, but sometimes those just don't work out. Um, or they don't work out the way that you envisioned in your head, I guess. So I remember, uh, you know, I heard about this new drive-through express lane that Chick-fil-A was testing in like a few, a few locations across the country. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want in. So I'm like talking to all the people at corporate saying, I want to do this. And they're like, well, we're not adding anybody to the test right now. And I'm like, well, as soon as you can add me, I want to be part of it. You know, fully thinking that we would like crush it. Like this would work great at our restaurant, you know, cause we were super focused on the Chick-fil-A app and, you know, to do the drive-through express lane, you had to um, have a high amount of Chick-fil-A app users. So we started this uh, validation test for Chick-fil-A to validate that this would work. And I think Chick-fil-A knew that in our concept or our design that it probably wasn't going to work. But they were like, well, let's let Jason try it and see him and his team try it and see if it works. So we had to shut down one of our drive through lanes for just mobile. And uh, man, our guests were not happy about it. Like. Now we went from having like one or two cars in the street to having like eight cars in the street backed out to the intersection. The mobile, the mobile uh, drive-through express people couldn't get into the express lane because they were stuck on the road. And so they're trying to drive around traffic, get in the parking lot. So we were getting all kinds of complaints from guests. So we ended up doing this validation test and it just didn't work the way that we wanted it to. But, you know, I was like, we're, I was determined, like, we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. Well, after four months in and spending a lot of money on labor and resources, it just was not working the way that we had intended. And so I went back to Chick-fil-A and said, hey, as soon as I'm done with this validation test, I'm moving that express lane in my parking lot. And the day it was over, 
transitioned everything into the parking lot. And now we went back through our traditional drive through lanes and we still had this express lane. But the cool thing was, is now this express lane was up, was operational all day long without a team member outside taking orders. And we just ran food out the front door to the guests. And so what turned out to be an initial failure for us ended up turning into a huge opportunity and a huge win later on because we we're able to like think outside the box a little bit about how could we execute this within the parameters of our business and make it go really well. So I think we got to look at, you know, just because something isn't a failure, it doesn't necessarily mean means that you're a failure. It's just, okay, how can I turn this failure into a win or learn from this to be better down the road? And I, I love that. I love that you got it to that place of learning from, I mean, you're, you're naturally an innovator and that's just going to be, you're, you're going to be an early adopter. That's just who you are. That's what you love to do. And figuring out for you, where is that place where this is too costly or, you know, yeah. the test has run long enough, or like you just said, you're taking the lessons out of this and paying them forward into another method, another lane, another way. So, yeah. Well, what was really cool too during the um, during the COVID process, what was really cool was is when we were doing that that third and fourth lane, um, we had a lot of operators come in and visit us, and they were able to take the lessons that we learned from being an early adopter in that adding that third and fourth lane and take that back to their restaurants and do it. So we were better able to serve the brand of Chick Fil A and our customers at Chick Fil A. Because of because of innovative ideas, I mean, I learn the some of the best ideas that I learn are from other Chick Fil A's uh, and other operators across the country and their teams. Like, um, yes, we come up with our own, but a lot of the things in my restaurant, I can't even take credit for. I'm like, man, some of these guys were like pioneers and early adopters early on, and they're the ones that kind of helped me get to where I'm at to allow me to think differently. Yeah, and you know, that's an that's an interesting part about the Chick Fil A culture is, I mean, you're. Y'all are competing. Of course, you're not competing in the same markets. You're not competing for the same dollars. But I mean, there's a little bit of competition within the operator world of, you know, who's yeah. who's at the top. But it, there does seem to be this um, kind of sharing culture. Hey, come see what we've got going on. I want to come see what you have going on. And I think y'all call those excellence trips where you go yeah. and just kind of watch and observe. Yeah. Well, we're our own, I mean, we're our own franchisees, our own business owners within Chick-fil-A, but at the same time, we all know each other and we all learn um, from one another. So that's one of the things I think that makes us, makes our relationships really unique. Um, you know, there's a saying that comparison is the thief of all joy. Um, you know, we, we, we shouldn't compare ourselves against each other. We should compare ourselves against ourselves. Like, how do I become better? How do I how do, how do I become one percent better from where where I was at yesterday? Um, but take everything that you learn from other people and try to you know add it to your restaurant. So it is a really great environment um, serving alongside this operator community. But I would encourage anybody who's not within the Chick Fil A community to, you know, look at their own business and say, you know, how can I learn? Whether it's, you know, having a mentor that's not really familiar with their business, but somebody they can talk to, to challenge them and becoming better within their business. So whatever area it might be, whether it's uh, growing sales or increasing profitability or a work-life balance, whatever those areas are, it's, it's good to have other people in your life, you know, iron sharpens iron but other people in your life that you can lean on that will help hold you accountable 
um, and that you can go through life with. It makes a big, and it's that community piece that, that I do see within your, you know, the world that you're in, the Chick-fil-A world. And so that's kind of baked into what y'all do, but yeah, there may be people out there, people listening today that they don't have that natural community. So they almost have to go build it themselves. Yep. So that's yeah, good absolutely. encouragement. What what would be a piece of advice you would give to someone who's maybe a couple of steps behind you? You know, they're they're building their business. They're they're trying to get maybe to to where you are and the successes you've you've had so far. What would you tell them about getting through that those next couple of steps? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing that right now. Like I'm looking at, you know, um, fellow Chick-fil-A operators that are two steps ahead of me. Um, you know, whether that's, um, them being a multi-restaurant operator and I'm currently, I currently have one restaurant. So, uh, I'm going in and asking them like, Hey, what do you wish you had known that you didn't know? Or what, what advice would you have for me being in the current process that I am right now? And, you know, this is where, this is where our runway currently is. we got to land the plane down the road if we want to become a multi-restaurant, um, organization. So I think what I, what I would encourage anybody to do that might be a couple steps behind where we're currently at, you know, whether that's sales volume wise, profitability, team member retention, turnover, CEM scores, whatever the case may be, is uh, be open to listening to other people. Don't just like rest on your own laurels. You got to get out there and make yourself vulnerable and share what you're good at, um, what you're not so good at, and just be a learning leader um, because if Dan Cathy always says this, he says, if your rate of internal, if your rate of external change exceeds your rate of internal, internal change, you are destined for failure. So we, we have to, any type of business owner or leader, we have to continuously invest in ourselves, whether it's, you know, podcasts, reading books, excellence visits, mentorship, whatever that might be. Um, you have to get out there and pursue it or the ship could leave you behind. And you're you're going to feel like you're always building an airplane as it's flying away and pieces are falling off. And you don't want to do that. You want to like build the airplane on the ground, um, come up with a great plan, implement it, get leader buy-in, and you know, see where you go. So lean forward. Know that's know it's always going to be a marathon. I think a lot of business owners and leaders, Chick Fil A operators, we're we're wired as like Type A personalities. Probably most of us are like high D's on the disc profile. We're always like looking and chasing what's next. But sometimes we just got to sit back and like, okay, what are the top three most important things to me? And what am I going to focus on? How are we going to get there and build a plan around it? Well, and by the way, you know, you would think that most operators are like that high D and, and many are, but there's a lot of uh, CDs, DC, oh, yeah. I've got S's that are leaders, I've got I's that are leaders. So there is, there is quite a mixture. It's been interesting to see it when you look at the disc profile. So yeah. it, you know, everybody kind of has to find their own way to lead in their yeah. organization. Yeah. Yeah, you got to lean into that, whatever your strength is. It doesn't mean that if you're not a D, that you're not a great leader. Like right. um, some people are like way more relational than I am. And I'm like, man, I want to be like that. But if I want right. to be like that, then I've got to put intentionality behind that as well. 
So when when I came and uh, met with you earlier this year and we developed something that we're calling your culture brand, um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how like how you use that, what kind of impact it's had. And then you've you've developed a a gift that you use in a special way. So tell me a little bit about culture brand, how it's used, and we can talk about that, that uh, new idea you developed. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, culture is a very important part of your business, um, whatever business you're in. You know, if you have, if you have, unless you're like um, a sole business owner, you don't have any employees or people working for you, um, that would be the only time that maybe like culture isn't like, top of mind or at the forefront of what you do. But I think as business owners, as leaders, you know, while you might be like results oriented and like what you're doing, um, you've got to like pair other elements um, to your culture brand to make it successful. So you really got to like look at the people piece and be like, okay, how do I want, how do I want my team to feel? Um, and you got to like lean on, you know, your leaders within your organization. So like if I establish a vision or we as a leadership team establish a vision for our organization, well, a vision is just like that's where we want to go um, or and what we want to be known for. But it's up to each individual leader within your organization, each individual team member to help you get there. And so while our vision and in my restaurant is excellence delivered with care, well, I have to make sure that everybody understands how excellence is defined for me. So excellence for me is defined as, um, you know, taste of food, you know, serving great food, speed of service, being remarkably fast, attentive and courteous, providing genuine hospitality to our guests every single day you know, um, a clean and safe environment and order accuracy. So we want to do all of those things with care. We want to do great. We want to serve great food with care. We want to, we want to provide remarkably fast service with care. We want to provide a clean and safe environment with care. We want to provide genuine hospitality with care. So we want to do all of those things, uh, with care. Well, Jason, thanks for joining me on this show and kind of sharing your story and just the incredible journey that you've been on. And now here you are building this team and really investing in the lives of others. And whether it's through even, even that give back through their college education, but I've just, I've seen you interact with your leaders and seen how much you care about your people. And so I'm glad that we have a chance to get to know you a little bit and hear your story. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope that uh, um, somebody gets a, a nugget or two, as we like to say, out of this that they can take and, you know, put in their own life or add to their team or add value to their journey and uh, their leadership walk. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time.